When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? It's man, Parker Ainsworth, here at the special edition of FN Sports, the podcast for teachers grade sports' biggest issues. As listeners know, last week we said goodbye to our lead teacher, Shaka Cummings. Before we get too much farther, I want to take a second to introduce you all to another name working behind the scenes here at FN Sports. I want to give you all a chance to meet our main man, Kevin. All right, we are joined by our intern, Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Parker. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy to have you in to introduce stuff a little bit. First of all, for those of you at home under, trying to understand what Kevin's going to do for the show, Kevin has already been involved in a lot of the social media presence you're seeing online, incorporating some audio with the graphics and really helping us out a lot on the show, uh, giving you guys the fun snippets to hopefully drive some some traffic through if you'd like. Uh, but Kevin, talk to us about, do you have background in social media, background in sports. Tell us a little bit about your life before the last couple weeks of FN Sports. Yeah, so my life before FN Sports. Um, so last semester of college, I actually did an intern uh, with a company. It wasn't sports, but I got in with their social media um, accounts, and I really liked it. So for the summer, I looked into uh, any sports companies doing the same thing, and I was able to find Belly Up Sports, which is awesome. And then I got into FN Sports Podcast, and then I uh, just started doing things I like, you know, the, the socials and everything. So that's how I got into it, this so far. Well, and your, your creativity is recognized. It's really cool to see the kind of stuff you're putting together. Talk to me about, so you said you wanted to get into sports, and it was last semester at college. I don't want to spill too much tea here, but Ohio State, how, how, how are the Buckeyes? Oh, yeah, Ohio State, go Bucks! I love it. <laughs> uh, they're doing awesome. You know, I love um, Ohio State. I love the Buckeye football and basketball team. I mainly follow those two. Um, I know the football team, uh, we lost in the final game of the national championship. Um, kind of sad about that, but there's always next year, um, which I always have high hopes. So the the Buckeyes have a strong football program. Uh, you talk about last year and kind of a little short of the national championship. Obviously, 
big star of that team's Justin Fields. Are you going to follow Justin Fields in the NFL in Chicago, or is that just a, a lifelong Buckeye thing that, you know, if it's not the red and, red and gray, or scarlet and whatever, scarlet and silver, I should say. If it's not scarlet and silver, it's not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> it's actually scarlet and gray. Sorry. Scarlet, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, no, uh, something interesting. I actually do keep up with athletes that go on into professional uh, leagues. So I will be watching Justin Fields. Uh, along with other players from the uh, last couple of years, um, the main one uh, right now is Chase Young. Obviously, he's a beast. Um, but, yeah, I just love uh, watching the Buckeyes go from college and make it to uh, professionals and just to see how they do, you know? And so before we jump, because Chase Young segues me to another fun conversation one second, being an Ohio State guy and, and those kind of things, you've also taken up with other Ohio things like the Columbus crew. Uh, that That's a fun soccer topic. We've talked about some on a previous episodes of the podcast, but their team almost went away and then stuck around. And, and so talk to me about the Columbus crew and your soccer fandom. Like, is that, are you really a big soccer fan or is that just because it's the local guys? Uh, you know, I actually love soccer. I actually go play uh, indoor soccer. I'm on a team. The whole Columbus crew movement, um, when they were about to like, departure and then save the crew i was here for all that man it was crazy i loved it i was part of it all you know we were able to save the crew you know it it feels (laughs) awesome it feels awesome like coming together as a community and being able to keep a team you know i believe we won the mls championship last year which was awesome even though there wasn't that many fans at the stadium it was cool. Um, I know we're about to get a new stadium here in a couple months, actually. July, I believe. They're going to open a new stadium here. So, you know, everything after Save the Crew, uh, winning the MLS championship, about to get a new stadium, you know. It, it's going awesome here in Columbus. Well, and that's crazy that they almost took away the team, and now they're getting a new stadium. They win the whole thing. Like that. That's such like a really good feel-good story from twenty. Not that there were many of them. It was a really good feel-good story of twenty twenty. I felt like that kind of went under the radar because the MLS goes under the radar. Uh, but you said you were in the movement. Were you like out marching and cheering, or what? What was going on there? Yeah, you know, I actually did go one time <laughs> um, with. Uh, Save the Crew movement people, they would meet up uh, in front of, like, the state house and stuff. And, you know, we'll be out there with signs. It was crazy. But, you know, I loved it. It was awesome. (laughs) You know, especially someone who, like, keeps up with sports and loves sports, you know. And then, like, just being part of a movement that was known around the world, you know, Save the Crew. Yeah, that's Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's very, like... It strikes so this is totally a history teacher me, but it strikes me as this like sports version of the power to the people kind of thing, right? Like, like we want yeah. our team, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you keep up with it recently, but like they try to change our name. Um, they try to they uh, yeah they try to uh, change our name. They took away the crew part of our uh, soccer team, and we didn't like that either. So <laughs> we rebelled against them again, and they and they brought it back. They put the crew name back to. It. What I'm hearing is you don't bleep with the fans in Columbus. That's what I'm oh, yeah, for sure, man. You do, you do not mess with us around here. We take our sports very serious. Even though we don't have many uh, professional sports teams here, the ones we do have, we, we don't want to mess with us. Yeah, the local pro team in a lot of ways feels like Ohio State. And jumping to, you know, you said Chase Young and Ohio State, you also have some connection to D.C. area sports teams, right? Yeah, so I know it's interesting that I, I root for the Buckeyes and everything in Columbus, but I actually am a fan of D.C. sports also. Um, just a little background on me. I was actually born in D.C. Um, I, I grew up there as a kid uh, until I, I was 11, and then my parents uh, moved to Columbus here. And I don't know, you know, as a kid, you grow up watching sports, you grow up watching the team from like where you, where you live and you always take uh, that team with you regardless. You know, I don't know. I can't, I don't know if you can relate to that or not. No, completely. But. I was born in Houston and then we moved to Austin, kind of like, you know, a college town, like University of Texas, you have Ohio State. Yeah, and yeah. there were no pro teams there. So I just stuck with Houston folks. And that might've been for, you know, 
I just like punishment, I guess. But that's that's the way it went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's just how it is. You know, there's no pro um, football team here, so I just stick with Washington football team you now because I just grew up watching that team, and I still watch it. I love it. It's my favorite team. So, um, also, I was gonna say go Chase ahead. Young anchors a really strong defense, so that's a cool crossover for you. Um, what do we think about the Washington football team? What, I mean. They had a better year than expected last year, or, or what? How do we feel about them? Uh, you know what? I speak to my cousins because they live in D.C. still, and they're big Washington football fans like me. Um, you know, we this season we're we're actually looking forward to it. You know, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in as a quarterback. <laughs> uh, you know, our defense is rocking. We got a couple. Uh, uh, weapons added to uh, our wide receivers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually very excited for this season, even though I've looked at the other teams in the NFC East and they are, look like they're going to come back stronger than last year. So it's going to be interesting. The NFC East will always be interesting. I think that's the perfect word for the <laughs> NFC East. <laughs> it, it really especially if you look uh, uh last season, it was just a mess, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, the NFC East is just horrible right now. And then I don't know how Washington football team came up top. So did you fully enjoy the Alex Smith experience? Because that was a really good feel. You talk about feel-good stories like Columbus Crew. The Alex Smith story is also a feel-good story last year, right? He comes back and plays, comeback player of the year immediately, it felt like. Um, or it, So was that a connection for you, or was that really just kind of like, oh, he's only been here like you know a little bit of time. He's been hurt most of it. You know what? Uh, it, it it was an amazing story. That's this is the reason I love sports. Like you see storylines that you you can't make up. You know what I mean? When Alex Smith came in, I, I was excited, uh, and then he got injured, and it kind of sucked. Um, and then they came out with a, a documentary of, on him. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah. I actually saw it. It, it. it was like they showed a lot of like gruesome. Uh, images and i was just like oh this dude is never going to step on a football field ever again and i was just like i i don't have faith it was like there was like um talks of like because he still had like a, a contract I, ca- I can't remember what it was i think he said like two years left on his contract and there was just talks on like what's gonna happen with alex smith you know right. whatever and then you know it just happens to be he was came back and then news came out like oh he's actually like practicing and stuff and then we were just like this can actually happen alex smith (laughs) can actually come back and play and then he he got back and then he became third string quarterback and i remember dwayne haskins at the time a buckeye he was um, first yeah also buckeye he was first string uh billy we have we have kyle allen at second string and then Alex Smith, third string. And then they, I can't remember if Dwayne Haskins got injured or benched. But and then Kyle Allen came in. And then there, I was watching the game. I remember Kyle Allen um, got hurt. And we were just like, is this time for Alex Smith to come in? Is this really going to happen right now? And then he came in, man. I remember that game. I recorded when he came in um, on my phone. I have a video of Alex Smith coming into the game. I was like, Alex Smith making a comeback. This is awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's awesome. That's a, So that's a great story. Um, and they end up going the way the playoffs. Like they end up get, have a fairly successful year, all things considered. Um, you know, obviously, you hope for continue to build on that next year. The other team in town, though, if you're a D.C. guy, is also in the playoffs, right? The Washington Wizards are in the playoffs. you got a full year of... I'll call it like a full year of the Russ Westbrook experience, right? Because there was the tr- another triple-double year, you know, a lot of exciting, high-energy plays. How would you describe the Russell Westbrook experience a year in? Uh, I love Russell Westbrook uh, just as an athlete, wherever he plays. I, I, I don't yeah. know. He's just awesome. Uh, he's probably one of the best right now. When we got him, I was just like, wow, I can't believe this, to be honest. <laughs> um, didn't he come from Houston, the yeah. Rockets? For John Wall back yeah. in, yeah, in uh, November. Yeah, which, uh, are you a Rockets fan? <laughs> yeah, Rockets guy. And uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that, so we're going to keep asking you the questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to say, I, I, I just want to say, I feel sorry for that trade for you, and it's okay. Uh, I think DC, I think the Wizards got the best of it. 
but that's just me. Yeah, the whole uh, year, well, it started off bad. I remember, I can't remember the, the exact record, but they were like losing. And then I would talk to uh, DC fans and they would be like, yeah, the Wizards, you know, same old Wizards, regardless of who we have. And then they just started winning games. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and people were like, go, they were going on win streaks and stuff. And it, it, people were like, what? Okay, okay, there's an actual team here. Perhaps they can make it to the playoffs. And then they made it to the playoffs. And now we're here. And then they did the play-in tournament, which I'm not going to talk about that. But <laughs> now they're going against the first seed. And now we're kind of just hoping they actually win at least one game. Because just the way... You know how it's been in the well, playoffs for the Wizards. The the one seed Sixers are tough. Like that's uh. So we're recording. You know, behind the curtain here, we're recording on a Friday. Game three is Saturday, which at yeah. least will be at home for Washington. But the Sixers are are really really good, and so I don't think it's any knock on Washington. But you have Russ Westbrook, you had Brad Beal, and and that's a fun fun pair of guys. So you've thoroughly enjoyed it. Sounds like the Russell Westbrook experience. Um, the triple doubles. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love watching the triple doubles, man, with Bradley Beal. And, you know, I've had conversations with my um, friends. And, like, just anyone who loves sports, doesn't it seem like um, the best NBA teams have three stars, at least? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I always, I always think the Wizards just need one more star, and then we'll be good to go. We have Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. We need, like, a Giannis or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, <laughs> one of those guys yeah <laughs> yeah wouldn't you one of those guys and then we'll be good i think we would win the um the nba championship that's just me well yeah. and washington's a cool basketball city you've got georgetown right there i know you're an ohio state guy and that's college but georgetown right there with some history you know good old hoyas iverson john thompson yeah um yeah. the wizards bullets combo of history and then in ohio you're an ohio state guy so that's like the fun in town right um the rest of Ohio has had kind of, a, I guess the Browns had a good year this year, but it's been kind of a rough sports history for the rest of Ohio if you're not an Ohio State guy, right? Yeah, it has been, uh, I, except for the, the one year for Cleveland when LeBron won it for them. Right, right. But I think other than that, it's been it's been pretty tough, you know. But and I think it's good, it's looking up now because Browns are, are actually contending in, in the NFL the Bengals, I mean, they just need a couple more pieces. They got Joe Burrow, you know. Right. He, he's looking to be really good. So I, I think in a couple of years here, you're going to see some Ohio teams uh, actually being competition. What? And that'd be more fun. Uh, I have a coworker from Cleveland, and he always calls Cleveland the city of champion, singular. There's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know that's not – Cleveland and Columbus are not super uh, close right. together, but I, that's that seems to be the, the dominating – like there's Ohio State and then there's like Cleveland sports and Cincinnati's there too, but people think of Cleveland and Columbus as the two like sports towns in, in the state. Um, Kevin, before we sign off, tell people you know obviously you're doing a lot of work with our social media handles on Twitter that's at FN Sports Two on Instagram that's at F underscore and underscore Sports. But where else can people find you if they're looking to talk to you or are you gonna, or do you want to use, use the FN Sports Twitter thing? Are you gonna sign off on that? Um, well. I do have a Twitter, but to be honest, I have no idea what my uh, uh, profile name is. I just use it to look at like sports and like stuff I follow, like that I like, like other stuff. But um, they can find me on um, Instagram. It's at Kevin Cave underscore. Just how it sounds, like Kevin Cave, like C A V E underscore. Um, yeah, interesting story about that. Hard for another day, um, but. Yeah, that's it. Just on Instagram, I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving working on the socials here. It's my first time working on uh, social media with a sports company. Uh, it's awesome. I get to see like a bunch of people debating in comments, especially on Twitter, <laughs> like about players and teams, you know. Um, any, awesome. Anytime you see the FN Sports handle in a Twitter, in a Twitter argument of sorts, uh, I'll be using Dash PA. Uh, Kevin can use dash C, uh, KC, so you know who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, Because <yeah. laughs> right. I don't want to get too much in the weeds in the Ohio State, because there's a lot of drama around them every year, it feels like. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's always something going on. I think it's mainly uh, who's going to be the next quarterback. Because I feel like that's always the main story with OSU football team, at least. Well, and while they're trying to figure out a new quarterback, are you you're done with campus now, right? We're graduating. Yeah, this is uh, my last semester here. The summer semester. Um, it's sadly, because of COVID, I haven't been on campus for a while. I've been just doing online classes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I graduate August. Uh, so far, they've said that we're going to have a commencement, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be on campus. It's usually at the SHU, which yeah. is awesome. Which is cool. Um, yeah, pretty cool. You know, I'll be able to go at least for graduation, and then I'll go for a game when I'm done for this season. <laughs> awesome. We'll have to have you on more to hear more about what is next and how the summer school is going. Uh, but, Kevin, thanks for coming on, and thanks for all the work you do with the social media stuff. Uh, again, you guys, all the the artwork pieces, the p- tagging it, audio with it, videos, those kind of things, uh, the Instagram stories, all that is Kevin. Uh, and so thank you, Kev. Anything else you want to say before you go? Uh, go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is normally the part of the show where we hand out a gold star detention, or as listeners might know, a lot of one or the other. This week, we've only got one gold star, and here's a shock of coming. So for those new to the show, or those that are new-ish to the show, about 18 months ago, Shaka texted me because he noticed I'd been writing some sports blogs in my spare time, and he had the idea that teachers could do a sports podcast. We could grade things about sports, and we could look at ideas in sports through the teaching Lens. We continue to text back and forth for a couple of weeks. Then, as a basketball fan, something really big happened. Kobe Bryant died. I told Shock it was time to record, not because we had to cover Kobe, but because talking through something that difficult is far different than writing through something that difficult, right? It's hard to convey the types of emotions you can get in your tones and those kinds of things and talking about really hard, challenging topics like that. And I just realized that in trying to express what I thought about what's going on with Kobe Bryant in writing, it'd be a whole different and interesting process to do with talking through it on a podcast like this. Shaka knew that. Shaka knew we'd have fun doing this podcast. And Shaka thought this idea of teachers grading sports made for a great show. So anyways, after Kobe died, we each got our separate equipment and started getting ready to record a pilot. Shortly thereafter, the Astros get caught in a cheating scandal, and we had our first topic born. We recorded our pilot over the idea of a claim, right, like a claim you make in a history class, not a thesis. Uh, We're both history teachers, right? Uh, You'll notice we only covered one claim or topic in an entire 45-plus minute episode. Uh, And it was really, really raw and really, really early stages of something that I think has turned out to be a pretty good show, but man, it's grown a lot since. Uh, So without further ado, here is the famous, much-anticipated Episode Zero pilot of FN Sports. What is going on, Belly Up Sports Nation? This is FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest controversies. I'm Shaka Cummings, here with my partner in crime, Parker Ainsworth. What is going on, P? It's been quite a weekend, Shaka. (laughs) (laughs) Tell folks about your car. You got to tell folks about your car. Oh, well, I, I couldn't say it. So we were I coached basketball when we had a doubleheader. So we had a game Friday night and Saturday at noon. And so I got home late Friday night with, uh, you know, some fast food dinner because I hadn't eaten since noon that day. And saw, like, a bunch of stuff in the back of my car and was like, oh, I'll just leave that there. and I'll take this food inside and eat it because i got to come back down here in the morning. And I, I know I locked my car because, of course, uh, when I locked my car, the people in my apartment wake up because they go, oh, Parker must be home. And then when I come down the next day, apparently it didn't matter and my car had been gone through and school bags missing, kids work was missing, if I'm being honest, a few pairs of sneakers I was planning on flipping for some money were missing, <laughs> lots of lots of things missing which led to quite a long Saturday morning before we even got to the basketball game. I'm imagining like some kid who normally makes D's on stuff now being like, 
well, you lost my work, right? Like, <laughs> that's an A, right? Completely. Uh, guess what? Everyone gets an A on that quiz over chapter 12 because I just don't, <laughs> just don't have the energy to remake it. <laughs> it was probably that same kid that makes the D that broke into your car. Like, <laughs> we got, tell the cops, so, like, we got, got we got somebody. Trying to get up into the C range, power to them. <laughs> So, F in sports, we talk about the biggest controversies in sports, and we got a couple of baseball fans here. Uh, I grew up in New York City. I'm a huge Yankee fan. Parker grew up in Texas, rooting for his Houston Astros. So, of course, we have to talk about 2017. We have to talk about the Houston Astros. We have to talk about buzzers and smartwatches and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, the claim for this episode... Absolutely, we have to. Uh, the claim for this episode is that the Houston Astros deserve an asterisk for their 2017 World Series championship. Oh, my initial thoughts come from a lot of places. First, I got to open up with being honest. Um, as a Houston sports fan, and as a you know, we moved to Austin when I was. Uh, in elementary school, we there hasn't been a whole lot of winning in my 28 years on earth. Um, and so 2017 was really special to me and, and my family and our like fellow fans. Um, and my immediate reaction the following day, I think, is best summed up with, and I know this is an audio medium, but my dad texted me a picture of um, a flagpole at someone's house in the neighborhood and they had an Astros flag at half staff. <laughs> and, and I really I really think that that was the best way to sum up kind of everyone's feelings the next day. Um, but I, I hold off on the idea of an asterisk for a handful of reasons um, that we're going to get into, I guess, more as we go on. But baseball has been a game for a long time. It looks like to me it's about getting an edge and finding that edge and flirting with boundaries. And the Astros received this giant, massive punishment. And I think that that's enough. Like, I think that that's, that's where we're at. What are, as someone who does not have the Homer goggles on over there, Shaka, what are you thinking about this? I do have a bit of Homer goggles on because I think to 2017, and I think, okay, that's a seven-game series against the Astros for the right to go to the World Series and go play the Dodgers, right? And the Astros <laughs> win that seventh game. Like, there's a part of me that also gets... So I come at it from a Yankee perspective. I'm a Yankee fan. Nobody cares because no one feels bad for the Yankees because we're Thanos. We are inevitable, right? The Yankees win. This is what we do. So nobody cares that there's a Yankee fan sitting over here wanting a pity party. And <laughs> it's true. Baseball is a game about getting an edge. Where's the line, right? So where do we draw the line where it's different than just normal kind of hijinks that come along with baseball, right? I can remember, like, the 1986 World Series growing up in New York, watching Mike Scott pitch for the Houston Astros, playing against the Mets, and his nickname in New York was Mike Scuff the Ball Scott, because we were like, that dude's scuffing <laughs> the ball, it should not move like that, he's definitively cheating, that was, that was hijinks, right? If a dude's standing on second base and we can see the catcher, we can steal your signs, it's on you to better protect your signs. Even the steroid era in baseball, which as a Yankee fan, you know, I fully recognize we had guys like Roger Clemens and Jason Giambi playing for us, and we, we know the connections that they have. At least it seemed like lots of people were crossing that line. Jose Canseco, I don't know what he said in his book, but it was, it was crazy numbers in terms of how many players were using performance-enhancing drugs. What this feels like to me is just outside of the boundary of that normal trying to get an edge and it feels like okay y'all cheated and got a definitive advantage and now y'all got a world series the yankees we didn't use the center field camera to get signs and now we're in game seven against you guys that game is at houston because you had a better record and we know how you're using that camera in houston for me it feels like they went above and beyond what should be acceptable in terms of normal hijinks to me, if you want to asterisk, I'm all about it because it feels like Houston went above and beyond what would be normal and acceptable 
in terms of trying to get that edge. So that's kind of where I'm coming down on it. So I heard the big sigh. So <laughs> you, well, you, I, you don't agree? I didn't convince so I, you. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, if you're going to put an asterisk on 2017, there seems to be a lot of World Series that you're going to go through an asterisk on. You're a Yankees guy. Y'all won World Series in 96, 98, 99, and 2000. And all of those teams had guys on the Mitchell Report, mm-hmm. uh, including eight people that played significant time in the 2000 World Series. Like, that's a lot of people. I, I just I think that if we're going to go back and do this, it's got to be something that is out of the ordinary, like you said. I don't know that we can definitively say in 2020, not that far removed from 2017 or 2018, or frankly 2019, which I'm sure we'll get into as well, are we sure that this is a one or two clubhouse problem? Because the report that came out has the Astros pointing fingers at eight other teams doing the same. I have a hard time believing if you're in a stadium where you can hear people beating trash cans, right? Like if you can really hear that, that the other dugout doesn't pick up on it by like the seventh inning or something seems odd to me. These are long games. If other teams knew about it, why weren't they saying it in 2017? Is is it really about technology? Because like you're saying, if there's a guy on second base, we're sure not saying, well, he shouldn't be stealing signs. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because in the 2017 series, you have, or in the 2017 postseason in general, Houston's home and road splits have been cited because they were noticeably better at home. Um, when you go to the 2017 regular season, the splits are really very much the opposite. They actually were a better road team uh, than home team. They had, you know, almost 10 more home runs. They had a better slugging percentage. They had better on base percentage. They had across the board better hitting stats on the road during the regular season, which is when the report says this was happening, right? The report didn't say it doesn't say it didn't happen in the 2017 playoffs, but it certainly says that this was going on during the regular season in 2017 looks like the Astros were playing better for the longer stretch, the larger sample size, without this technology help, because they aren't getting this in road stadiums, right? I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a large-scale cheating scandal that has lots of facets to it, but I don't think it's as simple as, like, they cheated, asterisks. Like, I think there's more to this than that. Very rarely are things black and white. There's lots of shades of gray. So, like, even if we go back to the Yankees and 1996, 1998, 2000, there are a lot of players who are doing PEDs. The whole league's dirty. Like, the Yankees, it's one thing if the Yankees are the only team that had those steroid guys. They weren't. When I look at the Astros, maybe they were better on the road during the regular season. They also play significantly worse teams during the regular season. The reality is you're playing the best of the best in the postseason, so you are going to inflate some of your stats because you go on the road and you play Toronto, and they suck. So, of course, yeah, awesome. Congratulations, Altuve. You got 12 hits in that series. You're playing sucky pitching then. They also played sucky pitching at home, right? Like They had bad teams come into their stadium at home during the regular season. If we're talking about sample size, you're going to now have a lot more bad teams that you're going to be able to play against during the regular season. That's the reality. In baseball, five teams make the postseason, which means that you got double that number that don't. So those are the teams that you should inflate your stats against, right? It's the reason why, I mean, not to go on too much of a tangent, the Yankees lead the league in home runs every year, then they go into the postseason, and they don't hit the home runs the same. You get into the postseason, you're playing against better teams. That's going to account for at least some of that variance, I would imagine, in terms of numbers. We get into that postseason, I think that a piece that's significant is the fact that you got more home games than everyone else because, or at least in the American League, the Dodgers had the, had the home field advantage, I believe, in that series. During that American League postseason, You've got home field against everyone else. So now you've got more home games. You have more opportunities to take advantage of that center field camera. It feels more, at least in my mind, it feels like more than just uh, dude standing on second stealing signs. I mean, the reality is if some dude stand, stood on second base and he was stealing your signs, then he goes back to the dugout and he tells folks about it, okay? That's what's happened in baseball for 
over 100 years, no one's going to be upset when that's the system. I think when people get upset is when you're utilizing the camera that's supposed to be for replay, you are having players as runners going back and forth, you are relaying messages through the replay telephone, you're using smartwatches, you're using text via cell phones, all of that's in the report too. At some point, Houston players and Alex Cora getting together saying, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. All of us are going to be involved. We're And now we're going to go out there and we're going to execute on that system. And to me, that feels just a lot more elevated than a dude standing on second base who figured out the signs. It feels like and it's it's more than an edge, man. When we're coming up with this system, we're, we're trying to cheat you guys to go beat you. And when we get our worst series, that's going to be our reward. Okay? You can find them $5 million. You can suspend the coach, suspend the GM. You can do all those. If we created this system with the end goal of going to win the World Series, and now we've got that World Series, and you don't take that thing away. I mean, we teach. If the consequence... Is it fitting of the crime? The kid's going to repeat the crime, man. If a kid's talking in class, we treat him one way. If they cheat on a test, we treat him another way. I hear you. What I'm also saying, though, is if you got your tests and you think, huh, this student may be cheated, and I don't know how many others did, and that student says, oh, like a third of the class was all in on this, I just so happen to get the best grade, are you really? Are you going to asterisk that one grade and not go back and look at all this other stuff? And if you unfold that it, it's even more like, I don't know that that's necessarily where we're at with this because the Astros reported in their side in their side of the negotiations with Manfred, right? That like this, they pointed at eight other teams and they didn't even point at Core and the Red Sox because that was already on the books. I mean, that's if it's a large deal and the Astros were just better, is it really different than steroids was? I'm not saying it's not sketchy. I think it is interesting that technology has kind of always been opposing to baseball or opposed to baseball because baseball is in its purest form the same game it was 150 years ago. It's not played the same way, obviously, but it it is similar enough. The idea that technology is somehow making this whole thing worse is interesting because baseball is opposed to replay in a lot of instances and baseball was the longest one to even allow it at all and you know they don't put digital techno or they don't put technology in there to help them with balls and strikes or things like that it it seems like that this technology idea has been anti-baseball for a long time which is fine unless a third of the league uses it in which case like whoa wait a second we got a bigger problem on our hands to go back to your classroom example if i uncover a cheating ring of a third of my students yeah, sure, I, I can punish them on test score, but I also have to look myself in the mirror and be like, man, as a teacher, what happened in my classroom to let a third of the kids cheat on the test? Like, how did I not sniff that out before? Or, and the maybe worst thing we haven't gotten to on this yet is, if I did have some inkling but let it go, then I'm probably fired as a teacher, right? I mean, if, if I was trying to let it go until some student goes home and tells his mom, a la Mike Fires going to the athletic, then I'm the one that's like, well, now I'm facing the music because I was letting it go. All true, and let's stick with that example. The cheater comes to tell you that a third of the class is cheating. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? So now, how many times have we been in a situation where the kid's willing to try to throw other kids under the bus? Now you do some sort of investigation, you don't find any evidence of that. Baseball investigated this. They put together this report. Maybe... We shouldn't work under the assumption that baseball looked into those allegations of other teams. I'm working under the assumption that baseball is looking all over, right? It's an, if the reality is is that if this is something that's systematic, let's get rid of all the guys who are part of this, which is what it felt like baseball was doing when it basically said, okay, now we're going to go investigate the Red Sox, and now the Red Sox can Cora, or I guess they mutually agree to part ways. I don't know what the heck that means. No one, I never, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mutually agree to get fired, whatever. Um, and then the Mets are like, oh, you're going to come looking at us too? Well, Baltrain hasn't even coached for us yet. He's gone, right? If, if baseball does an investigation and can confirm that a third of the teams in the league were involved in this, okay, then let's reopen the asterisk conversation. Baseball did investigate and found that this is the system that Houston put in place. Houston, like, okay, now Houston wants to throw other people under the bus. Like, I, I'm supposed to trust them. Like, Mike Fires is the dude who I trust, 
Mike Fires, <laughs> he's the one who was in it. He said he tried to talk to Major League Baseball about this, and Major League Baseball wouldn't respond in a way that was appropriate, which is the only reason why he's going to the athletic. If Mike Fires comes out and tells me that third of the league is doing this, I might be more inclined to hear it. I'm not inclined to hear Jeff Lunau or AJ Hinch try to tell me that third of the league is doing it. I'm not. I don't want to hear Alex Cora tell me that third of the league is doing it. Y'all the ones who all got in trouble. That's that's fair. I also have problems with Mike Fires though because all the reports say is that none of the players were really opposed to doing this during the 2017 season. That includes Fires. He has a World Series ring that is sitting on his mantle at home or on his hand as he's sitting in these interviews or wherever that isn't like getting taken away. Like he he goes to a team in the division in the athletics and frankly gets kind of shelled by the Astros. His ERA against against Houston has been over 10. Like I think he is just like there's a real easy way to read that of like wait a second, I know what's happening there and I know why this is happening to me when we go there. It it just it seems odd that he waited till 2019 to grow a conscience. Like no, if you were if you're the upstanding citizen, you sh- why didn't you stop this thing in 2017 or point it out then or be like guys stop this like I, I or or something like that then. Well, do we know really that he late. didn't? Do we know that he didn't? Like, are we working under the assumption that all the Houston Astro players are just like, yeah, okay, we're just all a part of this? Like, we've been on teams, we've we've played, we've coached. There's plenty of guys who do stuff on the team that you're like, yeah, I don't want to get involved in that. I don't know that Mike Fires was a runner. I imagine that there were plenty of players play for the Houston Astros and said, man, I can't believe this is what we're doing. The reality of it is this was what you were doing. The result of it is that 2017 World Series. How do we not touch that in some way, shape, or form? What's the deterrent down the road? You've already made the money. The only thing that you really can touch that would have some sort of true impact that could be prevented down the road is that World Series. What's to stop a team in 2020 from doing this? I think the bigger deal would be the way it's hitting an owner in the long term, if you're running a long-term franchise. Because I agree that the punishment on Luna, $5 million being the max is, I mean, that's just the max, but it's not nearly as much as they made in 2017, right? And the bigger deterrent to me is, you know, Crane sitting there saying, now my franchise is going to be booed and just all this stuff across the country because everyone hates them, that's fine. We already had a pretty poor reputation, and we can go into that side of this too if we want to. <laughs> but the other, the other part of this to me is the the draft picks and the GM that put this whole team together. You know that that really hurts the team in so many more ways than the five million or losing a you know a coach in in Hinge, because that's the architect for what Houston did with pulling all their analytics materials and stuff. And I know that teams have certainly at least closed the gap if not met Houston at where they were compared to five or six years ago that's the big hit to me is it's your team you're doing this all for immediate success because your team's future is being put on the line if you get caught right Houston will not be a good baseball team from like 2023 through 2030 maybe like the the long-term hit on Houston is hard now if you want to put that on the line for your team dudes that work in offices will do that i agree that people working in the dugout might think that that's not that big a deal because where are they going to be in 2023 anyway right like they're going to be gone um or on to bigger and better things or your yankees may pay them more and they'll go there who knows right that that may be the deal but i i would think that (laughs) i would think that the punishment is more of a scare to people in offices is how i read what happened i don't even know if i buy that because like What's the history of baseball with a team like the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, whatever you want to call them? They basically said, hey, listen, whatever the long term is, if we feel like we got an opportunity in any single year to go out and actually win, we're just going to commit to that year. And then if we lose for 10 more years after that, so be it. They were willing to do that and took home a couple of World Series with that being their mantra. Essentially, we're going to suck for nine and win one, and that'll be our decade. If you are a team like the Houston Astros, maybe the Houston Astros do struggle in 2023, 24, 25. But they got the ring from 2017. And if you're CC Sabathia, I don't care if you suck in 2023. There are players who their lived reality is, we played you in 2017. You guys cheated. The real deterrent is to take that ring away. and Nobody's going to touch that ring. They're going to talk about CC, how many rings he got when they start talking about the Hall of Fame. That's the conversation. So now we're starting to talk about the legacy piece. I could have made my legacy in 2017. I feel cheated out of the opportunity if I'm a CC Sabathia. 
a dude like Clayton Kershaw, who people want to jump on him for his postseason performances as a Dodger pitcher, he's looking at 2017 and saying, well, hell yeah, don't guys hit me because they knew every pitch that was coming because they literally were using the camera to figure it out. I don't know. Like, okay, if down the road Houston is not good, what are we doing about 2017? What are we going to do about 2020, 2021, 2022? The reality is they made revenue off of that season. That, that revenue allowed them to re-sign players and to bring in other players. Uh, those are the things that can't be touched. But you can touch 2017. Asterisk. Vacate. Something needs to be done about that World Series because the ramifications, while they maybe fell down the road from some of these decisions, they're definitive pieces that are happening right now. There's no real recourse for Major League Baseball. There's no real recourse for the guys who are playing the game. The Astros got a ring. We don't feel like they deserve the ring. We know the Astros hitters are going to get hit a lot this year. There's going to be definitive. There's going to be guys thrown at them. If that's the only recourse that I feel like I have as a player, that's not enough. I'm not saying Houston wasn't cheating in the series. I'm not saying they weren't seeking to get that edge or do whatever. I get that. And if we're going to put an asterisk for getting an edge and seeking cheating, I would just say we need to go back and do that a lot of times. And if you want to say that certain league had it at certain times where everyone was cheating, that's fine. They were also cheating to win. It's interesting in looking at the 2017 World Series because the Astro the series comes out as a winning four games. In seven-game series, you got to win four games. Houston won two of those four on the road. In my mind, that means that those two games, unless there's something I don't know about that wasn't in the report and Mike Fires didn't tell us about we don't know, those are two games they couldn't have cheated in in this system. And those are two important games, including Game 7. They shelled you Darvish in Game 7 without any cameras on him. That was important. And it kind of led to an anticlimactic Game 7 in the sense that it was a blowout early. I don't think that that means that we just say that the cheating doesn't matter. I get trying to take it out of the game. But as far as putting an asterisk on the series, that's important to me. The asterisk would imply that they wouldn't have done it otherwise. And they won two games, two of the four games in Los Angeles. They split in L.A. That's where I'm coming from, is I think that the asterisk implies they couldn't have done it otherwise. And I don't know that's the case. I guess the reality is we never will know. What we know is that 2017 they played the games. We know that in 2017 they had a system in place. We don't know what the Astros season would have been in 2017 without this system. We don't know what the postseason would have been without this system. We just know that they had the system. And we know that the system went so far above and beyond what Major League Baseball considered within bounds that they threw at the Astros punishments that are unprecedented in terms of fines and suspensions of front office uh, and managerial personnel. It's, a, it's obviously complicated, right? Because it's like you said, if you start pulling World Series, where do you stop? Like if we asterisk 2017, conceivably, can we go all the way back to like there were Negro Leagues and you didn't have black players in the league and say, well, maybe those World Series weren't fair either because you don't have Josh Gibson and Satchel Page just mowing people down. It's obviously complicated. There's shades of gray. So with that being said, we didn't even talk about 2018. You know I wanted to trash the Red Sox. Um, them <laughs> do, I mean, listen, the reality is they got Alex Cora. We can start talking about 2018 and that series too. I don't even want to get too crazy into it, but just go look at Mookie Betts' numbers from 2018 and look at his career numbers otherwise. And 2018... We should point out with the Red Sox <laughs> that there has not been a report filed yet. Like, this is all speculation because Cora is connected to both teams and they, quote, mutually parted ways when the report on the Astros came out. And he is heavily... He's mentioned throughout the Houston Astros report. So we should point out that we don't officially have word from the MLB on exactly what their findings are because they hadn't finished them yet. But the Red Sox in 2018 doing at least the same, if not moreover, things. After having done the Apple Watches thing in 2017. And anyway, like there's, there's interesting things there to me, too. Um, we just don't know as much about it yet because the report hadn't been filed or hadn't been publicized. So We can give the Red Sox the benefit of the doubt as much as the Yankee fans wanted to give the Red Sox the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Again, all I'm going to say is look at Mookie Betts' numbers <laughs> in every other year in his career. And then go look at his numbers in 2018. Somebody's telling that man the pitches. He's hitting 340. He has one other year above 300 his whole career. He hit 32 home runs in 130 games. And the rest of his career, except for his rookie year, he's playing 150 games. And he can't match that number. That's his career high. And now even the Red Sox don't want to resign him. 
Like, the Red Sox are trying to trade him. Because the Red Sox are like, well, if we don't have Alex Cora telling you the pitches. We don't know if you're an MVP anymore, maybe. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't know that that's what they're thinking. Again, all I know is the reality. Like, it's I, interesting in looking at the Red Sox because, well, again, I, I want to make sure we say from uh, we're speaking from speculation on the connections. But it's interesting to look at the Red Sox because does that mean in the Red Sox versus Astros series there was just this mastermind of cheating here, cheating there, cheating here, cheating there that all came onto a crazy play in the outfield? <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know. You know, that's a well, the, crazy. The thought report that, does say that Houston stopped in 2018 with this system of utilizing replay, which makes sense, right? Because core is not there anymore. The guy who was really running the system is no longer there. So Houston stops with the implementation of this uh, system. They don't use it in the postseason in 2018. The report says that. So uh, maybe maybe the series doesn't come down to kind of these two. Could you imagine? That would be crazy, like two supervillains trying to go up against each other, trying to figure out how they're going to kill the other one. That's like comic book nerd dream right there. (laughs) Well, and it's also, you said that the report says Houston stopped and that that if we're going, the report says that's true. Fans and Twitter and outsiders have certainly not accepted that Houston, the report says Houston did nothing in 2019. People have really dived into picking off literal pieces of confetti and been like, is that a buzzer on different players? And like, Altuve, Altuve? Altuve? he must have been wired, right? Like he grabs his shirt, is like, "Don't rip my shirt off!" Like we're not, (laughs) right? We just want to pretend like that's not. (laughs) Like, come on, I know Homer, you're you're Astro guy. You telling me you don't think Altuve (laughs) is like, "Don't rip my shirt off"? Like that's what I'm saying. That's the evolution of the system now. Now we're doing buzzers and whatnot. Like that's well, so either, but then either we're trusting baseball, saying that they found no other evidence of any other style of cheating, and they cited things like electronic equipment on the field to know the pitches either we trust what baseball has told us or not and if we don't then again i'm back to how can we trust that they say it's just these two teams right because if the world series champion 2017 does it and the world series champion 2018 does it and these dudes all work out together in a handful of places across the country with other pro baseball players talking one another time they swap teams i have a hard time thinking that really it's just two teams and they just so happen to be the best two teams in the league, and they just so happen to win it all, and that's fine and dandy, and that's it how it goes, right? Like, doesn't that seem sketchy to you? Like, the Yankees didn't win any of those World Series, so like you want to put Astros and all of them? I'm fine with that. Like, we can even go. <laughs> <laughs> we can go look at we can go look at the Nationals. All of a sudden, you lose Bryce Harper, you're winning World Series. Like, let's let's talk to them too. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like, I guess what I, what I look at 2017 in particular, and 2018 because of who are connected and the, we, we know what those connections are. It just feels like even with the severity of the punishments, they're still insignificant because you can't go back and punish the revenue that was made. You can take $5 million away, but they, they, they're clearing that $5 million easy with the extension of the seasons into the postseason. So if uh, they want to go find Boston $5 million as well, then whatever. Boston's clearing that easy. Um, so it feels like what's the deterrent down the road? If it's, okay, $5 million and we got to struggle for a few years after, uh, but we get to compete and maybe win a World Series, it doesn't feel like you're deterring anyone. It feels like let's let's have – baseball got rid of its PED problem when baseball decided to get serious about the consequences. Now, PEDs feel a lot more like a one-off issue in baseball versus a wholesale uh, rotting of the game from the core. And that was when they got real testing and real consequences. Like, we're really going to not let you play. We're really going to mess with your money because you're not going to be able to get that big contract. right? A guy like Melky Cabrera never made up the money. I was just going to say, anyway, you, you, got, you got a real deterrent with PEDs. That's how you got it out of the game. If you don't have, I mean, the real deterrent here is to affect that championship. That's the real deterrent. Otherwise, I don't know that you have enough of a deterrent to stop someone. They may not use smartwatches. They may not use the replay camera. They may not use buzzers. They'll just, they'll, it'll be something else. And... 
it feels like if you're trying to deter, you need something really to stop someone from even thinking about going down that path again. You know, I'd, I'd want to do more research before I went off and said this too concretely, but I don't know that I'm necessarily ready to say that no baseball players on steroids right now either. Um, I will say that you're right, they cracked down on punishments, but they certainly didn't go back and hand out punishments like to the past. They just said, from here on out, here's what we're doing. Okay, but hold on. What's the Hall of Fame then? The Hall of Fame is that. The Hall of Fame is going back and punishing guys for the past. But we don't. That's what. But we don't know what. We don't know what the Hall of Fame implications are going to be on these 2017 Astros. We don't know what it's going to do to Altuve and Bregman and Correa and Springer all jumping in. We have no idea what that implication is. That's not. They got a ring though. It's it's only three years removed. They they aren't even even if they'd retire right then they're not eligible. Like we're not really there yet. We don't know what's going to be. They got the ring. Listen, Bonds and Clemens and Sosa and McGuire and the fact that those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame, there's definitive impact for those guys at that level. So if Altuve doesn't make the Hall of Fame, I don't know, maybe maybe I would feel a little bit differently about it, um, at least for him individually, because he feels like a guy that has that potential, right? Some of these other, It's not like Correa and Springer aren't good players, but if we were to look at this Houston team and to say, hey, who's the guy? that's going to be looking at the Hall of Fame five years after he hangs him up, it's probably Jose Altuve, um, especially when you look at his career numbers as compared to any second baseman, the fact that he has an MVP, all of these things, right? I still don't know that that would be even a deterrent because, again, the, the to, to say that organizationally another team wouldn't jump in and try to do something like this, knowing that the ring was the outcome, I don't know that we have the deterrent. Maybe we do have the deterrent for individual players if these guys get impacted in terms of Hall of Fame, but these... The steroid piece, that Hall of Fame piece, the fact that some of those guys did not make up their money, there is a deterrent. And you're right. We can't say that not everyone in baseball is on steroids, and I didn't even mean to imply that. But I did mean to say the fact that there were major consequences. Baseball doesn't have the steroid problem that it had in the early portion of this millennium, right? I mean, 2000, 2001, seemed like everybody was doing it. In 2020... I don't think it feels like everybody's doing it. We, we're, when guys get popped, it is a one-off. It is not the Mitchell Report, where the Mitchell Report had how many names on it. I guess I guess where I come from it on that is that if you're really trying to come down and crack down harsh in a way similar to the steroid scandal, you would do more to Barry Bonds' name all over your record book. You do more to Mark Wire's name and Sammy Sosa's name all over your re- respective record books. And instead... The deal is just like, okay, from here on out, you are out of this league if it happens twice, and you are out of it for a year if it happens, or whatever it is, right? And I, I don't know. I, I also feel like this will come back to bite these guys in the Hall of Fame. If Jose Altuve retires with just one World Series, and it's this one, every writer will bring it up when it's time to vote on him. Every single writer. Because they're not dumb. They have history books, and most of them are writing right now, right? You have plenty of young writers that will still be writing and doing the voting. Verlander will probably be the first one we see he'll probably be the first guy we see that this impacts. And if his World Series ring is tainted by this, even a guy with as great accolades as Verlander before the World Series will probably see some dings. I I can't imagine he gets he doesn't make it. I don't think he'll get hit like quite that dramatic, but he might not be a first ballot guy. I think that's important to the guys playing, and I think it is also important enough to the guys playing that a guy that is good enough to be a Hall of Famer, a la an Altuve, that knows that this could damage them down the road like that would hopefully have enough sway in the clubhouse to make sure it doesn't happen. I don't think those are unrelated, I guess, is what I'm getting at there. And I don't think that it's fair to point out that, well, that's how we cracked down in the past on steroids guys, and we don't know how that's going to impact the current guys, because that could very easily happen to all of these guys. So if I said, Shaka Cummings, you get to pick the punishment, but you cannot put an asterisk or take away the World Series, because you agreed that that is like something... Literally has never been done, with the exception of the Roger Maris home run thing. What other punishment? Like, are you talking like I want two hundred fifty million? Are you talking like hit him in the pocketbook? The reality is, these are billionaire owners. Even as a billionaire, I'm not trying to lose a quarter billion dollars, or I'm not trying to lose every first round draft pick for the next decade or something. This is if we're going to NCAA, like for a comparison, this is lack of institutional control. In in the NCAA, they have no problem vacating championships. And there's a lot of things that the NCAA gets wrong. That punishment piece might be one of the things that they get right. Maybe baseball should look to that model. Go after some of those individual players. The whole idea of a show-cause penalty hitting a coach, let a show-cause penalty hit one of these players. Let all of a sudden one of these guys who's you know, up for $100 million, 
$150 million contract has to sit out for three years. If you want players to truly step up and say, hey, we're going to be the whistleblower while we're in the locker room. I mean, those are the types of things that you would have to do. So let me say this. Let me flip that question back to you, Parker. Do you feel like the repercussions were enough? The idea of taking the title away, even if you told me that, if you've taken the title away and done nothing else, I, I still think I would have been like, wait a second, are we really sure that nothing else is going on? No one else was finding an edge in baseball in 2017. There are other things that would have come to my mind if they had just pulled the title and done nothing else. The unprecedented punishment, like you, like we both agree, is nowhere near enough money to deter an owner necessarily from doing this ever again. I, I just think that it's... Baseball has not set itself up to punish these things well. I don't know that that means to jump into taking, you know, trophies away and records away. Because I, I, I sit here, I don't live in Houston currently, and so I sit here in Dallas and I hear from different people in the Rangers. And the Rangers fans seem kind of split on if they would have traded off their, you know, they lost in 10 and 11 or whatever it was. And, and they're like, man, if I could just have one of those back, I'd absolutely take <laughs> taking five million dollars out of the owner's pot. You know, the fans certainly don't; they want it back. So I don't know. I, I don't know necessarily mean to say that the punishment is exactly the right fit for the crime. I just feel like jumping to an asterisk or taking the title away or somewhere in between there seems like a real jump. It feels like they should definitely have more ability to be able to <laughs> to. Go beyond $5 million. $5 million isn't that much to Altuve. Like, forget ownership and the organization. There's not enough here to deter. It wasn't enough to deter the Red Sox from hiring Alex Cora the next year. It feels like... Uh, it was enough for the Mets to say... It was enough for the Mets to say that we're cutting Beltran before he does a the game. The Mets though. hired Beltran. They hired him, though. Like, they hired him. And they cu- they knew cut, cut him cut him by the end of the I mean anyway I I, I would argue yeah that once that the punishments are coming down now we're going to cut him I'm not giving the Mets that much credit for that <laughs> they hired him in the first place they went what's, out they went what's off really the funny <laughs> have you there's a book you've probably never read by Ben Ryder um who is the guy that wrote the article in 2014 saying Houston's going to win the World Series in 2017 and looked prophetic um he wrote a book called Astro Ball which was like looking at the construction of that team and Mm -hmm. how it was simple you know the prediction models and those kinds of things (laughs) and shaka there's all this stuff in one of the chapters about how beltron didn't have a giant impact on the field but he was this leader in the dugout and he gave hitters tips on helping read pitchers when pitchers were tipping pitches and stuff (laughs) he he was begging the hell out of a garbage can that's like (laughs) it was it could all be so accurate shaka but man that looks funny right now (laughs) notice well i mean even i mean and listen i'm again yankee fan homer there but um i mean the yankees did pick up beltran and had him coaching for them and and then Cora made the remark about how much uh beltran is going to have an impact with the yankees carlos beltran he's a former yankee i don't want to dog him too much but I'm also not giving the Mets a bunch of credit. I mean, I, I really don't. But I'm not going to give the Mets a bunch of credit for cutting him before he managed the game because they hired him in the first place. They made the same mistake that the Red Sox did. I don't know. Maybe Beltran would have masterminded some system, and we'd be like, oh, the 2020 World Series champions of the New York Mets. And then we, I mean, God, we'd have to scorch the friggin' earth then, right? Like, I mean, everyone's got to go. If That's how I would feel. What do, you, <laughs> what do you make of the, like, 2019, it was like, right before spring training starts and baseball put out a memo that was like, this is still cheating. You are not allowed to use technology on XYZ. Like it seemed weirdly ominous to that by the fall of 2019, we're talking about the last two champions having done just that, right? It feels like what they were doing to kind of silence Mike Fires. At least if we're taking Fires on his word, he said, like, I've reported this to baseball and got nothing. So I come to you, I give you this information, and this is all you're giving me? F you well, guys. This is all this is all they're giving me, and I gave up ten a ten ERA to the Astros this season. Yeah. And so now I'm really coming out with <laughs> like I don't Friends, aren't you glad we stuck with it? <laughs> Shout out to Mike and Blaine and Belly Up Sports for hearing that pilot, understanding there was something there, and helping us turn F and Sports into what it is today. Cause I gotta be honest, that listen to that pilot myself. Makes me feel all kinds of icky. Ooh, I wasn't quite right yet. <laughs> um, and again, special thanks to Shaka for including me in the project. 
and for allowing me to take it and run with it now that he's got a few other things going on and can't be a part of it himself. Obviously, Shaq is always going to be welcome back, and if the Knicks can pull off this 3-1 comeback, we may have to have him on the show. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. You can check me and my basketball show, The Midweek Midrange, out Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern on Twitter and YouTube. Don't be afraid to pull up to Midweek Midrange on Twitter and Instagram to check out all the content we're pushing out there. My personal Social media handles are all at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter and Instagram. You also have a show Twitter and Instagram page. You can find me, Kevin, even sometimes Shaka, if we can bring Shaka back every now and then for special occasions, at FNSports2. That's at F-I-N-S-B-O-R-T-S number two, all one word on Twitter. And on Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. Thank you guys for listening today. And when it comes to sports... Don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.